Hello, my beautiful people, and welcome to Up Level Together podcast, place to up level in every aspect of your life, from personal development to mindset and spirituality to business tips and relationships building. We bring you best interviews, tools, and inspiration where one episode can change your whole life. Here's your host, Jasna Borza. Hello, my beautiful, beautiful people. Oh my goodness. Hope everyone is having such a wonderful day wherever it is that you are. Today, so excited. Get ready for such an insightful and deep conversation with Leslie Pitch Schneider of Project Lolo. Now, Leslie and I met uh, years ago when she came to me for, for coaching and with this idea about starting a nonprofit. So here we are a few years later where she is making incredible moves and um, has founded Project Lolo. And I want to to hear her story because it's so incredibly powerful. Now, this is a woman who she's uh, an attorney and the twenty five years of healthcare experience as a nurse and also a hospital administrator. So we talked about the transition that that itching for you know finding her purpose and really doing what she really really truly loves and how difficult that was. And then we also talk about what it really prompted her to start Project Lolo. If you don't know, Project Lolo is a nonprofit that uh, that really is an advocate for, for children promoting limitless lives. So the whole point about Project Lolo is helping children who are of different abilities and supporting them in, in you know when they cannot uh, do that for themselves so her story starts at six years of age when she was in an accident and she lost her left leg and had had to ha- have a prosthetic for uh, the remainder of her life and it really you know how much that has shaped her created resilience within but the fact that she's not you know, disabled. She just has different ability and really providing that, you know, providing prosthetics for children all over the world and is on this mission to really empower others who feel different in their skin. I, I mean, I cannot tell you enough about her strength, her insight, her her passion. This is what happens when, when people who really have that burning passion commit. And she also talks about that it's not easy and that she struggles with making everything work. But her commitment and her passion in serving these people is bringing so much joy in her life. So we talk about purpose. We talk about how to find your purpose and what happens when things get tough, even when the projects that you really love. I, and again, you will absolutely love her story. You will love her, love what is she, what she's committed to. And we have a very special uh, giveaway slash campaign at the end that I can't wait to share with all of you. So without further ado, here's Leslie Pitt of Project Lolo. Leslie, I am so, 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 so excited to have you here today. Thank you so much for saying yes. And thank you for coming here to share your story with us. Thank- Thank you. Thank you for having me. I am delighted to work with you and to be here with you today. Thank you. Oh, what a joy. So we're going to tell them a whole lot of things today, Mm -hmm. which I am really interested in. But, you know, 
for just for starters, I think mm-hmm. they're in the bio, they have heard so much about you. And I think the first uh, point of interest is going to be your early years and what happened to you when you were six years old. So why don't you tell us? And we're, I'm curious what impact that has had on your life. Um, and, and our audience will probably be very, very interested in that. So what happened to me when I was six years old, it was the first day of summer vacation after first grade. And uh, just I, my family and I lived in a small town in Minnesota, sort of the idyllic uh, environment, if you will. Um, Pretty much at that, in that era, our our mom stayed at home, dads went off to work and all of the neighbor kids, we lived in this new subdivision and all of the neighbor kids kind of went from one home to the other, like it was our own home. And it was just this big extended family. So on that day, I was playing with my best friend and decided we were going to spend the entire day playing Barbie dolls. And I, uh, so we did that. And I, um, after, you know, the day went through, I decided, you know what, I need to go home and get more Barbies. And so as I, I left my friend's house, I got on my bike and I looked both ways before I crossed the street. Cause that's, you know, what we're told to do. And as I was crossing the road, a dump truck, um, hauling gravel didn't see me and hit me, um, completely accidental. Um, the trauma, and I don't, I, you know, I don't remember anything other than the, looking down the driveway, looking both ways, and then waking up in the hospital. So what the story has been told from my parents, my mom, my brother. So what happened was that the truck, the tire crushed my left leg. Um, So um, the first, so my friend's dad called, uh, 911 didn't exist. This is 1975. So this 911 didn't exist. They called the ambulance. Um, My, and so as that we were waiting. Um, my brother and his best friend were out riding their bikes. They heard, you know, all the neighborhood kids were out playing and, and they heard the brakes of the truck. And so they came pedaling down on their bikes. And my brother, who's 19 months older than me, saw me on the road with, you know, with my leg crushed. So he went running home to my mom and my mom was uh, planning a fundraiser. So she had her, you know, her, t- her team over and Greg ran in the house. He said, mom, mom, some dump, dumb truck ran over Leslie. And she said, Greg, no, I'm busy. And he's like, no mom. And so she ran out and she, um, as soon as she saw me, she, she said, somebody had covered my legs up with a towel or excuse me, a blue blanket. And so she had me start singing, um, you know, so that I wouldn't go into shock. Um, and while we waited, so wow, these, to stay so present in that, to stay so present, oh. you know, her, her strength is just, I can't even describe. Oh. Um, so the first responders were two police officers who tied a tourniquet on my leg to stop the bleeding. And, uh, I really attribute that to, um, you know, to, to them for saving my life. Um, the ambulance eventually came and we went to the hospital, um, in that town. It wasn't equipped as a trauma center so this is uh, so they said if you know take her to the next town which is about 30 miles away which um Bankato, minnesota and they got us there again the whole time my mom's in the ambulance and you know again trying to keep me awake and alert she didn't want me to go unconscious didn't want me to go in shock and so we got to the hospital and they said you know, we don't have a vascular surgeon. So they said, either get her to Minneapolis or get her to Rochester. If you get her to Rochester, she'll likely survive. So somehow, somewhere in the midst, you know, she had called my dad and he was following, you know, on route. Um, When we got to Rochester, they 
immediately took me to surgery and they said, you know, the only way to save her life is to amputate her leg. So very emergently um, went into surgery and um, my leg was amputated above the knee, uh, oh, basically God. to save my life. Oh yeah. my goodness. I am sitting mm -hmm. here and I'm feeling so many different emotions, emotions from you, right? Mm -hmm. Going through that. And also as a mother, uh, having yeah. to go through that, it's like I'm getting triggered on multiple, multiple yeah. different levels. Yeah. So well, how did that, I'm curious, because mm -hmm. that really is, I mean, you were so young. I'm curious, mm -hmm. how did that impact you? How did that impact me? You know, I actually have always thought being so young, it was a blessing. Mm. Um, you know, I, I turned seven in the hospital, like 10 days later, I had my seventh birthday in the hospital and I spent the entire summer in the hospital, um, going through PT and OT at the Mayo Clinic in Rochester. And, um, and my goal, you know, as I was learning to walk again with my new prosthesis, uh, prosthesis and, you know, to me, um, it was very sort of black and white. When, when my mom, when I first woke up in intensive care, my mom told me what happened. And she said, you know, your leg was amputated. She told me what that meant, you know, surgically or, you know, and she said, but it means your leg will never come back. It won't grow back. You know, this is what it means. And so I think from that perspective, it was just like, oh, okay. You know, and, and so I think children are, are very resilient mm. just at their different stages of ch child development. And I really attribute where I was then to helping me adapt. Um, my goal, as I said, was to make it back to first day, second grade. I was not going to let, you know, the fact that I lost a leg stop me. And so definitely my tenacity, I think just part of my personality was also part of, you know, how I, how, how I dealt with it. But then I, I always have said too, I went back to the same school, you know, I was, went from first grade to second grade, same kids, different teachers, different classroom, but same school, same environment. I was still Leslie. I was no different. I was still mm -hmm. Leslie. I wasn't an amputee. I wasn't disabled. And I say this with air quotes, I was still Leslie. I just now had a prosthetic leg like other kids maybe had gotten glasses. And so I, I just think, I, and with my parents' strength and, and sort of the, the community, I just very quickly adapted sort of, you know, this is the way it is. And, you know, I, that was, and so I, like I said, I've always felt blessed that it happened to me at that age um, because of that perspective. You know, fr from the moment we met, I, mm. I, I, I just, I completely fell in love with you and Likewise. I really need to find a way to stay in touch more often because um, mm. life gets in a way and you're such a remarkable human, but you've, you've never in all of our conversations. So for, for the folks listening, we met because you uh, yeah. came for some coaching. Yes. Um, yes. <laughs> Starting Project Lolo, which we will talk about. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And it, it, what was really, really remarkable about you was your joie de vivre, mm -hmm. was mm -hmm. this, this joy you. that you had and such resilience. And you have had an absolutely incredible life. So people have heard that you're a nurse yep. and a lawyer and have been racing. And you're just like a very, very beautiful, competitive, accomplished um, spirit and woman. So um, you recently, you really went after your dream, which is mm. so tied into your story. Would you please tell us about Project Lolo, um, mm. its mission and how it came to be? Project Lolo, yeah. You know, I, I, 
I think it's, you know, I, I know that this is doing Project Lolo is why I'm here on this earth. I know it's why I survived my accident. But Project Lolo is, uh, we're a global nonprofit organization, and we help kids get access to orthopedic care and devices. So prosthetic limbs, wheelchairs, crutches. How it came to be, um, I, again, I, you know, I've, I've been very fortunate. I mean, I've had to fight insurance uh, to get coverage for prostheses through the years and so on and so forth. But I, I and I was, I've been very involved with um, some national organizations and lobbying and working with Transportation Safety Administration and doing stuff here in the U.S. And, you know, I always kind of felt like I needed, I wanted to do more and I wanted really to help kids. So I came across um, a report from the World Health Organization and the United Nations, and it was talking about what the reality is for children in developing or underdeveloped countries if, if they're disabled, either cognitively or physically. And I just thought, if that would have been me in 1975, as a, I wouldn't have survived. I likely would not have survived. As a woman, I wouldn't have had the educational opportunities. I wouldn't have, everything that I've experienced because of my losing a leg would not have happened. And I thought, I'm, I'm no more deserving than anybody else. And I need to do something because what I, this report showed me or told me was that children, because of their disability, and I say this in air quotes, what I call differing abilities, are denied their right to access, or excuse me, access to healthcare, access to school, um, in some countries, uh, you know, right to life. And I just thought I need to do something. And I still, even today, every time that I say that I still get the goosebumps that I felt at that moment because I thought I, I, you know, I've, I've been given this gift. I have been given these skills. Like you said, I, I mean, I'm a trained lawyer. I'm a nurse. I, I study global health and human rights and I have these skills and I have this life experience that I can do something. And so I started this, I, so I started research. And I thought, well, surely somebody's doing something for kids. You know, so I reached out mm -hmm. to UNICEF. I reached out to save the children Nobody was really doing anything specifically for kids with um, physical disabilities or differing abilities. Um, there are a number of organizations that deal, you know, get donated prosthetic parts, you know, so they donate from the U.S. or Europe um, to different areas, um, Africa, you know, South America, Central America, some parts of Europe, Asia, and but but nobody was really doing sort of what I thought was key was to provide the access. And, and so that's how Project Lolo came to be. Um, and how we do that is sort of the difference between Project Lolo and other organizations that do the donated parts is that we partner with clinics that are already existing. So our first clinic partner in Ghana, West Africa has been there since ironically, 1975. Um, I just returned from Guatemala with an organization that's been going to a particular clinic for 13 years. And so we partner with these organizations or clinics that provide the care and so that then they can do what they're doing to help the kids. And so that's really how Project Lola came to be. It's so remarkable. <laughs> and when you're so right, there is no better person than you to do this. Well, thank you. It just, re I, it just really is remarkable. I am, I'm so incredibly proud of you. I think we're going to have all of the information to Project Global here below so people can have access to this. But it's, uh, for me, I didn't even consider when we talked initially, it never even occurred to me like, oh, 
Mm-hmm. I just thought, you know, well, of course, you go to a doctor, you get, but mm-hmm. you know, it's not that easy, and especially in developing countries oh, it's where nice. um, children with different abilities are seen completely different. Very different. Very different. Very and different. There's a stigma, right? There, Complete absolutely. Complete stigma in, within the society, which is so utterly ridiculous, but it is a fact. But it is a fact. And, and, you know, and that's the thing that I hope as we, we Project Lolo and I share the stories of the kids that we meet, you know, I, their societies or families may think of them as stigma, you know, stigmatized or lacking something, but they are the most incredibly strong children I've ever met. And I hope by sharing the stories and in time and being their voice, we can change that. Um, you know, and it is a reality. I'm not so naive to think that we can change cultural thinking but you know what it it, it, I look at it at the child level each child if we can change their particular world the rest of the world will follow suit and see them so true I'm Mm. curious this is this just came to me have you ever thought of starting a podcast interviewing those who have overcome and who have built such amazing lives despite different abilities you know what actually I'm starting yeah so I'm actually not not a podcast but I'm starting two things um, I am actually going to do a radio show here in the Twin Cities locally, right? Yes. Um, and then I'm actually going to do um, on uh, Minneapolis, uh, public access uh, television as well. Um, because I think it's, it's sort of, but, but essentially it's everybody has a story. And, yes. so, you know, the theme that I want people to share is what have they overcome? You know, and, it, you know, is it, like my example, getting run over by a truck and, you know, and losing a leg. I mean, everybody has a story to share and what they've, you know, how they've overcome it. And so, yeah, it's interesting that you ask that, uh, but yeah, that's definitely in the works. Oh, so. I love that. We're vibing. I think it's like, I'm so, I'm yeah. so present. And I think I told you earlier, mm-hmm. I had such a rough morning with the kids. I had to like, really like go into hyper saging myself and meditating. Cause I knew I had back to back podcast interviews. Yeah. So I think I'm, I'm very intuitive right now. <laughs> very much so. Very much so. Yeah. You're spot on. Yep. So I, I cannot wait. That will be really, really lovely. So are people listening today they're you know really interested in in people like you who are making things happen and they're going after their dreams so when you and I met you were still working full-time I was yeah and you're like I want to do this but how do I do it and I'm afraid and right Mm -hmm. all the things that I went through and everyone Mm -hmm. does so Mm -hmm. you have successfully made the jump congratulations thank you thank you Uh, it's probably one of the most challenging jumps there is very much so So I would like to ask you how did you do that what was your thought process you know just so anyone who's listening who's (laughs) in that process that would be helpful to them yeah so I had um I mean I've been in healthcare for 25 plus years and really you moved up the ranks and I was at a C-level position you know when we met and Mm -hmm. miserable miserable I mean I the last position I had I was miserable and you know I think it was also because I was working on creating Project Lolo and writing my book at the same time and like I had this other stuff happening in you know that was kind of moving along and so I was sort of conflicted, you know, I've got this great income and this great, you know, job on paper and, and I, you know, and my heart said one thing, my head said another, you know, why would you, why would you even think about leaving? You know, I was literally bound by the golden handcuffs, you know, that proverb, that phrase. Mm-hmm. And I think for me, what really did it was, um, I went to Africa, 
um, in uh, December of 2017. Um, and it was really a due diligence trip for Project Lolo, um, but to meet the organization, to meet the children, to really understand. And I, it, it changed my life. It literally changed my life because it, it, you know, it confirmed number one, the reality that I've only read about. And, and I only saw just a snippet. And, and then it also confirmed that Project Lolo needed to be, you know, because mm -hmm. until then I thought, well, I don't know. I mean, is it really something that, is there a need? And I was just, so I came back and I was on a phone call with my then boss who I'd been working with for only about three months. And um, he proceeded to tell me how um, terribly I was doing in my position and my staff and Oh. I was on the I, I was on the phone crying, but I did not I didn't say anything because I didn't want my voice to crack. I didn't want him to know how upset I was, and tears were just streaming down my face. And I just I just and I'm thinking, wow, you know, I I just have experienced something. He and anyway, I hung up the phone and I just looked up. Yeah, I just looked up to that you know up to the heavens up. If you know, I just looked up and I I said. I'm done. I'm done. I don't know what happens next. I'm done. And, uh, that, that afternoon I got a call from a recruiter, uh, who does consulting and they said, are you looking for a job? And I said, well, I am now. And you know, with that, I, I, I didn't know what was going to happen, but, um, a week later I went on a leave of absence. I, and I took a three month leave of absence and, uh, gave my notice and just, quit. And I didn't, you know, I, again, I didn't know what was going to happen in terms of income, which is, as you said, very scary as adults. And, you know, when you're used to having a, a regular income, but I just, it was in my head, I just visualized literally stepping off a cliff. I just, I, and, but you know what? I saw myself flying. I saw being just surrounded by, you know, if people believe in angels or spirits, I just saw myself being lifted and I wasn't afraid. I wasn't afraid because I just knew I've been, what I had seen and what I was doing was so much greater than this corporate thing and this corporate, you know, rigmarole. And so I just, I, I just quit. And I, I, it was the most liberating and scary thing. Um, but I think had I not had such forward progression with Project Lola being formed and the book and I just, I was seeing traction. Um, I might not have taken it then, um, but I just, it was like a, the perfect timing, you know, of everything. And, you know, looking back, you know, I probably wouldn't say it to this person who, you know, really kind of <laughs> was the impetus, but I think he, he, he did me a favor. You know, he really did because I think his um, criticism or whatever it was, which was completely surprising because in my entire career, I've never heard anything like that. That was the other thing. I mean, my entire career. And I thought, it, 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 I mean, I just thought, what, what, you know, for the last 25 years have what? And I, um, but I also think, you know, that was a blessing in disguise because had he not done that and had I not gotten so, you know, excuse my language, pissed off. And I just, I, I don't know if I would have just said I'm done, but I just reached that point And I just said, I trust, I absolutely trust. I believe in what I'm doing. I believe in the vision, um, which was so clear and is very, I mean, it's still right there. And I just, I, um, I just, I, I just had to trust that it was on the right thing. Wow. For, here's, yeah. here's what, mm -hmm. what I, as I'm listening to you, there is a, I interviewed, um, Dr. Eva Selhub from 
um, uh, Harvard medical doctor recently, and she talked about body whispers before it screams. Oh, wow. And right. And she said, we all have little whispers all along the way, uh, you know, until we really hear something that just makes it like, I'm done. That's it. Right. Right. And so her teachings are like, how can you, you know, Mm. listen to the whispers a little bit more? Right. Um, But would you say, I mean, from what I'm hearing, you've already decided this is what you wanted. So literally universe just nudged you. God created a path for you to move forward. Absolutely. 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 Oh, that's really good. That makes me so excited. (laughs) Well, on that topic, while we're there, Uh what would you, uh, there are a lot of people who are still Uh employed. Mm-hmm. And they're very successful in their corporations, mm-hmm. but they are not very happy. Right. They have an inkling to do something that they're really passionate about. What would you tell them? What advice would you give them? You know, I would say, you know, think about it strategically. Um, I mean, because I, I think knowing that I had something tangible in the works gave me a level of security. So I would say, you know, if there's something, you know, what is your passion? And, you know, and I, for me, what I identified was the, the, the things that come so easily must be my passion. The things I don't have to struggle with must be my passion. And then you, and then I thought, then how do you monetize it? Cause somebody aligned, I don't know who said you can't live off a of light and love. You know, like it's okay that you want to do good in the world and it's okay to get paid for it. You know, it's okay. And so, so then with that grain of, you know, that nugget of knowledge, I just thought as I was kind of building these two things, how can I monetize? You know, how can I, um, number one, make an income? How can I build viable, you know, systems or businesses Um, and really go through, go through the work so that you know that, you know, when you're ready to take that leap, if it's literally, you, you kind of feel like your hand is being forced or you just are ready, um, do it. Um, I think the other thing is, um, I've talked to several entrepreneurs who, when they kind of just, you know, quit their corporate and did their own thing, was when they were at the point where they were, had enough income or, you know, they were generating some money from the, whatever the side business or passion, where they could live the same life that they were accustomed to. And that's when you can take that leap. Um, I wasn't there. I, I mean, I wasn't, I was still in the formative stages with both things, but I was just, I just kind of, you know, for me, I just thought I, I can't afford to break and, you know, at what cost? I mean, it wasn't worth the salary. Um, and so I think it's just, you know, to think about it strategically because when it's something, you know, you have a passion, you know, you figured out how you can do it. Um, you want to, I mean, create a business plan and really how can you do it? And, you know, um, you know, work with somebody like you, you know, have somebody objective, you know, and, um, I think that's the other thing is I, the whole time I never told anybody I was related to nobody. Like I kept everything very tight except for like when I met with you and other, you know, professional services. And I think that also helped because then I got this very objective, um, um, insight from other people. And that to me, it was, it was absolutely worth hearing because, you know, nobody was going to say, nobody felt like they had to be nice to me because they were related to me or, you know what I mean? And, um, and it's, it's also a bit frightening because you think I've got this great idea and now I'm going to go talk to a life coach or business coach. And, you know, they may just think it's the worst thing ever. Um, but it also, I think helps validate what you're thinking. 
you have to trust yourself. I remember actually having a conversation with you because mm-hmm. you are such a giver and you mm-hmm. want to make a difference. Was, yeah. And he's saying, well, it's like, I don't even, you know, I have to survive, but like, if I would do this for free. I'm like, why do we do that to ourselves, especially as women? I don't know. I don't know. And some of the greatest jobs that are serving people the most with mm-hmm. the highest missions, people feel like they have to, you know, just have peanuts for dinner. Like, you right, know what exactly. I mean? Right. And I want to reframe that. I want, I want us to think that we can do incredible work, be of mm-hmm. service to others and get paid handsomely because I, I think it's also the question about self-worth and you are going to Absolutely. be able to do more for others if you are abundant. That's exactly it. And that is exact. You're absolutely spot on because again, if you're um, struggling, you know, to make ends meet and stressed about it, it's, it's, you're not going to be able to deliver on what it is that you really want to do. Mm. And so do you know what I mean? Like, I I think, you know, I, I, I've always sort of had this, um, this perspective. If, if you can't advocate for yourself first, then who can you advocate for? You know, um, I think that even Lolo stands for love ourselves, love others. If you don't love yourself first, how can you love others? You know, it's, it's a sort and it's kind of to your point, you know, if you, you have to see your value and your worth and it's okay to get that. It's okay to be doing good in the world and it's okay to get that and to, um, you know, and you don't have to feel bad about it. You know, I think that's the thing is you manifest abundance. You know, you say, if I am, for me to do this, I need to be my best self and mind, body and spirit. And whatever that looks like, if it means, you know, having needs taken care of so that, you know, you can be creative and you can write more books or you can think about how to, you know, implement these things so that you're actually making an impact. um, You know, it's all part of the big cycle. It's so, so true. And I think mm-hmm. that the, um, the poison is the toxicity of the workplace. If you're so stressed out, I mean, that just completely kills off the creativity. And I really believe yeah. that it affects our well-being. It really does. They it really does. Out. So mm-hmm. it's, I mean, if I think if we don't listen, again, mm-hmm. the body whispers before it screams. And when it screams, sometimes for people, it's cancer, unfortunately. And it, it, yeah, no, I agree. And it, and it may be too late. And I think that was one thing that I kept thinking. I mean, I saw things happening to me that I wasn't proud of. I saw myself changing and, you know, I was miserable. And I thought, no, if I, again, if I break, I mean, if I break down, Project Lolo will never happen. The book will never happen, you know, but, and so I think the other thing I would tell people is, you know, trust your gut, always trust your gut, you know, listen, you, you hear you know, just be open to signs if you can kind of get into that mindset because the universe or God or whomever you believe in or whatever you believe in, you know, once you sort of say, I need to do this, it will, it, it will help, you know, but you have to be open to it. And so to the point of this physician you're talking about, your body does whisper and yeah. before it screams and to be cognizant of that. Yeah. Well, mm-hmm. let's talk about low mm-hmm. superpower. That's the ah, yes. <laughs> surprised me when we saw each other last or connected. <laughs> you said, oh my goodness, I wrote a book. I'm like, what? <laughs> I did not know about it because you didn't keep it in your email list, Leslie. <laughs> I, uh, yeah, I was a little crazy busy and that really kind of, yeah. Um, so so Lola's, su- yeah. mm-hmm. oh, I just want to hear about the yeah. book. 
Yeah, so Lolo's superpower is, um, again, Lolo stands for love ourselves, love others. Um, Lolo is a blue doll, a squishy blue doll who lives in a toy store. Um, so, and I'm just showing you, this is mm -hmm. like a sticker. So, but Lolo is, looks completely different than all the other toys and all the other dolls. And Lolo lives on the bottom shelf where all the other dolls live on the upper shelves. And, and, you know, all the other dolls really look like the children who are coming in to meet their, pick out their forever friend. Lolo loves being different. Lolo loves being blue and squishy and has, you know, features that make Lolo incredibly unique. And Lolo actually thinks that being so different is a superpower. It is very, very empowered by being different. And so Lolo, um, you know, every day waits to meet a forever friend and uh, often gets, you know, teased by the other dolls and they say, you know, well, that Lolo will never picked. And, and, and Lolo eventually befriends a little girl and a little boy who come into the store and the, uh, their birthday shopping and brother and sister and the little girl is having a, a hard time because she's living she's adjusting to her new prosthetic leg and so she said you know I just I look different I'm different than you and she's talking to her brother and Lola overhears this conversation is thinking I can help you I can help you I can help you and like any good book of course there's a little bit of drama but in the but the message ultimately in the story is really for all children. I mean, there's several messages that were very intentional, but the message is for all children to say, you know what, we are each uniquely and amazingly different. And what makes me different than you and you different from me are our own superpowers. Mm -hmm. Likewise, the story, Lucy is the little girl with a prosthetic limb or prosthetic leg. And, you know, for children with a prosthesis or using a wheelchair or crutches or something, you know, if, if they're, getting teased or, you know, because they look different, you know, I want them to also say, you know, this makes, this is a superpower. You know, this is really, you know, it gives, it's my difference that gives me a superpower. It makes me stronger. And so, and then the other, you know, and then I hope also then children who see that will say, instead of like saying, oh, that's Leslie with a peg leg or an artificial leg or whatever, they'll say, oh, wow, she's got that cool, you know? And so there's several messages, um, throughout the book and and one another one is about forever friends and it's just you know you will experience relationships friendships and you know but the people your forever friend will love you despite your you know your blueness and your squishiness even if you're different than everybody else and so um so Lolo is the first of a series um so I wrote a series of children's book and uh, so this one is really to set the tone of who Lolo is and the message and uh, Lola's perspective. And so uh, it just came out in November. I launched it in December and it's just been an incredible uh, journey since. Um, I've, so I've been doing author visits and actually quite a bit of PR, just kind of getting the word I've out. Seen. You've been on every single TV show. <laughs> I love it. Well, <laughs> we're getting there. <laughs> but, you know, but here's the thing. I mean, but I'm also, you know, I like, the, I like the traction. I like the fact that, you know, it's getting traction. I like, I was recently in Dallas on Good Morning Texas and, and they picked up, they said, you know, you're really starting a movement, a Lolo movement. And I thought, I never thought about it from that perspective, but that's really what it is. And so to hear that, you know, because that's, I mean, it, yeah, essentially I am. I'm trying to get children to, uh, you know, to say, 
instead of teasing each other or, you know, mocking somebody, or, you know, or bullying, I want people, you know, I want kids to say, you know what? Yeah, I do look different. I have blonde hair. You have dark hair. You know, that's our own super, whatever it is. And so that in time, you know, maybe, you know, maybe we won't have the bullying. Maybe we won't need to label, you know, we won't need to label people as yeah. disabled or amputees or black or white or orange or whatever it is, you know, and that's really what I, you know, I, I hope. Um, and so to hear somebody say that I'm starting this movement, this Lolo movement is, is, it, it's humbling. I, I humbling. like it. You, you know what, mm -hmm. it, what mm -hmm. it makes me think of Lady Gaga and her little, is it, what does she call it? Monsters? My little. Um, oh yeah. Yeah. It's like people mm -hmm. who feel different and right? like just speaking to children. I really, I think that he, he was, uh, that, uh, anchor was onto something. I know. Is that, yeah. Where can they find the book? So it's available several places. Um, it's available on lolloglobal.com. Mm -hmm. um, it's also available on Amazon, Barnes and Noble, Target. Um, so those are the, the big four. Okay. So exciting. So Thank you. Um, uh, uh, Leslie, what do you want your legacy to be? <laughs> um, you know, I think I, I want my legacy to, to be, to, for kids to know that, you know, when something happens to you or not, but really, I mean, I think about like the, the kids who live with something that's a little bit different, you know, if it's a prosthesis, if it's cerebral, whatever it is, you know, I want them to know that, it, you know, it's okay, you know, and, and so even though, you know, again, they may be dealing with being teased or whatever, I want them to, to see the strengths that they have. Um, I, you know, as I look at the work with Project Lolo and the stories that I will tell with that. I, it's, you know, I just want the children to know that, you know, they're incredible and, and, as they are. And then, like I said earlier, you know, a, a lot of these societies where they're stigmatized, I hope that, you know, just by educating and just showing me and sharing their stories, um, you know, we've changed, we've changed that. I love that. It's so inspiring. So, <laughs> so you. inspiring. Okay, we're going to go into some rapid questions. Sure. Um, very quickly, just to get to know you even better. Best, yeah. Best book. Oh, best book. Oh, wow. Couple. Uh, first one, I would say, is How the, Gar How the Garcia Girls Lost Their Accents. Read that long ago. I can't remember who the author is. Another one, Life of Pi. Um, I can't say that... Uh, yeah, I would say those two just right off the top of my head. Okay, I have to. I, I did not read the first one. I have to go look it up now. Yeah, <laughs> life is. Finish the sentence. Life is. A, it, it, you know, it's a series of ups and downs, mostly ups. Um, it's a series of failures and uh, successes, um, but the failures are not to be stigmatized. Failures are to be accepted as what we need to have you know, as stepping stones to success. So life is just, you know, it's just a, an ever changing experience. I like that. <laughs> My current struggle is. Oh, uh, finding enough time, <laughs> <laughs> finding enough time and like keeping my schedule straight and, you know, being where I'm supposed to be at the appointed time and on the right plane at the appointed time. That is my current struggle. Same here. Same here. Uh, so bad. So bad. <laughs> having faith means? Having faith means ultimate trust. Um, having faith means ultimate trust in yourself and your capabilities and your dream. Um, having faith in those 
you're around and then having faith in a higher being, whoever or, or whatever it is that you believe in. Um, and just, and just trusting it's just ultimate trust. Uh, best advice, uh, I, I was ever given. <laughs> best advice I was ever given, um, was in law school when I was struggling, uh, because I, uh, having been uh, trained as a scientist and really uh, I went to law school late in my career. I was 36 years old when I decided to get a law degree. And so up until then I was a biology as a biology undergrad. I'd been a nurse. I've been in healthcare and I was struggling with the way of thinking. And the best advice I got was from the general counsel at the health system I worked at. And he said to me, you know, there's, there are no right or wrong answers in, in law and you just have to know, what the rules are, the professional rules. You have to know the laws and how they apply to your client or the situation. And you just have to be very good and creative. Wow. That, that just shifted everything for you. It shifted everything. He, okay. he may have he used a phrase that I don't know that we can actually say on a podcast. But, <laughs> but uh, so I, I kept it, I kept it G rated. <laughs> All right. Thank you for that. <laughs> uh, well, one of the things that you don't know that I didn't tell you I was going to do um, here live is that we're going to um, we're going to encourage everyone to donate to Project Lolo, and I am going to match um, every dollar for dollar that everyone matches listening to this to this call. Well, you, I, I can see you now. Audience can't see you. You don't have to cry. <laughs> so we're, uh, for everyone listening, this is really, really meaningful. I'm, I, I have, everyone has their own charities and things that they yeah. believe in. So I think sometimes it's very difficult for people to invest. You know, for me, I have three main charities. So it's like when people invite me to donate, it's like, well, you know, I'm here. This is where I'm at. Yep. So I want to invite that audience that maybe doesn't have that or is willing to really move by the story and would like to donate to Project Lolo. Um, to, uh, dollar for dollar, all they have to do is send me a DM by Instagram, yasna.borza, that they have donated, and I will match dollar for dollar every single donation that comes through. Thank you. From this call. Thank so you. Tell me where can they donate and where can they find you if they need you for sure. interviews, appearances, yeah. anything like that? I would say the best, uh, projectlolo.org. And so it's P-R-O-J-E-C-T-L-O-L-O.org or Lolo Global, L-O-L-O-G-L-O-B-A-L.com. So we have on projectlolo.org, there is a, a a page that you can go to if you want to make a donation. Um, if you choose to get a book, uh, that's an option as well, uh, because we um, the the profits from all of the books from Lolo Global go to Project Lolo. So if you want a a book, um, and then part of the profits then go to Project Lolo. So either or. Okay, so donate or buy a book for your children. And again, whatever the cost of the book, I think it's fourteen ninety nine. It's sixteen ninety five. Sixteen ninety five. Um, okay. And we do have an option: um, buy a book, give a book for twenty nine ninety five. Um, and then there's an option to just give a book because we also partner with clinics and schools um, where, where books have been donated. Then I give the books to the schools here in the U.S. or to the clinics here in the U.S. I love that. And the person who donates the most is going to also get um, a book from me and maybe even a 30 minute conversation with me. 
oh. a coaching coaching call. So there you go. Oh, thank <laughs> you. That's incredible. Thank you. Uh, you are more than welcome. It's it's a pleasure. I have watched you from you know before this was even a reality, and yeah. now that we have uh, recently connected, you have done absolutely incredible things. I'm so yeah. proud of you. Thank Blown you. away f- uh, by you. Uh, so grateful that you are among our myths because you are the the kind of a woman that changes the world. So thank you. Thank you you for saying (laughs) yes. Thank you for your time. And uh, we're just so, so excited. And um, that's it. Thank you, Leslie. Thank you so much. Thank you. Well, there you have it, folks. Thank you so much for tuning in. It means the world. Please share with anyone that might find this useful and go ahead to all iTunes stations and please give us a five-star rating. So much love for you all. Please, please, please know that everything can be different. You're worthy. You're good enough. And let's up-level together.